This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Good morning. It's good to see you today, and it's good to be here on a beautiful day to, uh, to worship together and also to celebrate what the Holy Spirit is up to. Today we are talking about Holy Spirit holes, and that's really thinking about um, where are the places where we need to grow into what the Holy Spirit is doing. This last summer, uh, actually at the end of May, my family and I, we took a trip. We called it our Epic Out East trip. And we went to a number of cities. We went to um, uh, Philadelphia. We went to Washington, D.C. We also went to New York City. And as we went through New York City, we saw lots of different things. You know, when you you go on a trip like that, we walked about 20,000 steps a day. And as we were getting close to the end of our time in New York City, you can put any of those New York City pictures up there, Aiden. I'm not going to, you just roll, scroll through them. As we got to the end of our time in New York City, one of, one of the kids said, we've seen a lot. We've done New York City. And I just looked at him and I said, well, we've sort of come to the place where we've seen what we don't know yet what we haven't seen in New York City, you know? Like there is so much more yet to see in a city like New York. We've just stuck our toe in the water. Now, as we come to the end of our Holy Spirit series in terms of of the sermon series and also as we come maybe to the end of of groups where we've been using Pastor Bob's book about the Holy Spirit there's probably a place in your own life where you say you've come into contact with something that you didn't know or something that's a new experience that you haven't had with the Spirit before and so there's been some new growth pattern in your life and we want to say that's exactly what we've been after we want to celebrate that and in fact if you've got a story if you've got a note about that we'd encourage you to send a note to Jeff Fugit, you can uh, email him, jfugit at scmc.co. You can find him online or other places. But we'd love to hear what the Spirit's been doing in your life. What's a, a next step or what's a new experience or something that you didn't know. We'd love to know what that is, is like for you. But the reality that we all face is that when you go through an experience like this, there's more. There's more of the Spirit. There's, there's more measures that we can take. There's more learning for us. There's, there's a deeper life with God that is that is out in front of us out before us Jesus said to his disciples uh, soon before he went to the cross and then and he was as he was looking to go back to the father he said you know what I've told you a lot of things but I haven't told you everything there's still yet more for you Paul said to Timothy there's more for you Timothy Paul said to the church at Ephesus there's more for you and there's more for us and so today we just want to take a look at how that more um, that way in which the Holy Spirit can lead us into new places, what that might look like or how that might take place in our life. So we're going to take a look at a passage from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, the second letter that we have. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got a Bible app, if you want to uh, take a look at those, we'd encourage you to get that out. And we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 3. We'll read this text and then we think there are four different ways that Paul uh, highlights for us that we can, we can be led further with the Spirit. We start here, 2 Corinthians 3, starting at chapter 12. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face, so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The four holes that we see rising up out of this passage of Scripture are, are four names that we give to them. Uh, there are these holes. There's humility and bold action, repentance and, and deep intimacy with God or deeper intimacy with God. And we want to touch on those four aspects today in our time together. So the first one, let's look at humility. In the opening section that, of Paul's writing there to the church at Corinth, he's talking about this, this dissonance or disconnect between uh, the, the revelation of God that's come to Moses and then what's come through Christ or, or where the Spirit's at. And he, he's really talking about uh, a number of people who've, who've read Moses, who, who heard Moses' story. Because Moses had this great, um, well, he had incredible experiences with God. He'd go up on the mountain, and, and God would be revealed to him. He'd talk face to face with God. And then when Moses would come down from the mountain, his face would be glowing. And the people said, Moses, you're, you're glowing so much. Uh, cover, cover your face or do something, because even as we look at you, we think we're going to be blinded. And so Moses would he'd go up on the mountain, he'd meet with God, and then he'd come down, and he'd put a covering over his face. And... And then he'd be with the people for a while. And then he'd go in and meet with God. And his face would glow again. And then he'd come out. And, and the people said, Moses, keep that, keep that veil there. Um, Paul uses that idea. Because then what happens with the story of Moses is that, is that people, um, after Moses is, is dead, people told the stories about Moses meeting with God. And then people wrote down that, people, that Moses met with God. But the experience of meeting with God, of having God's glory, of having God's presence, of having God's face there, began to wane. And people trusted in the words, and they didn't, they didn't have the experience. And then Jesus came along, and Jesus said, you know what? God wants you to have the experience of his presence. He wants to be with you. He wants to be present to you. He wants you to be able to look at him like Moses looked at him. But instead of looking at God, people tend to, they read the words of Moses. So when Jesus would say, you know what, God's interested in healing, people are like, he is interested in healing, but not on the Sabbath day. You can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, that's what, that's what God's interested in, is in people being well. And, and what, better, what better day to do it? Or people said, you've got to pray in a certain way. And Jesus said, how about we pray in, in another way? And how about you don't have great big long prayers, but you just... You can even say just small prayers because God hears what we say. They're like, that's not right. You're not reading the book of Moses. And Jesus said, you know what? We've got we've to go back behind that. Before the words were there, Moses had the experience and God wants us to have the experience. So Paul said, we want to have that experience if we want to walk in the way of Jesus. We've got to have this gift, this ability to have humility. We've got to be people who say, you know what? We know that God spoke with Moses and God spoke to Moses and gave Moses the law and guided Moses. And that can be a guide to us, but God wants to be present to us too. And so we have to be people who are open. And humility is all about being open. We've got to be open to God's newness and his freshness and his, his moving in our midst. We've, we've got to be open because we face things that Moses didn't face. And so as even, even we face things 
that Jesus didn't talk about with his disciples. And so Jesus said, the spirit is going to be with you. You have to be open. You have to be willing to learn. Uh, back about a couple months ago, I told you about how I had a tractor that was sick and I brought a head gasket in with me. And, and I showed how something so small and insignificant could just shut a tractor down. Well, I, I had that problem. The head gasket was out. But what was I going to do? How was I going to fix it? I didn't really know how to fix it. And so I, I did what good researchers do. I went to YouTube and I put in, how do you fix a head gasket? And up popped a video. And in this video from a, a place was a young, a young 20-something young lady. And she had on either a pink shirt or a white shirt. And in the next 27 minutes of that video, she changed an entire head gasket on an old tractor. She put it back together, started back up, and it ran. There was not one ounce of oil on her shirt. I said to my sons, if this, if this young lady can do this, I've got to at least try. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that the tractor's back together running, and it sounds great. I had a lot more oil on me than that young lady on the video. But, you know, you think about that. Humility says, I can learn from anybody. And when you run into a, when you run into a conundrum, when you run into a problem, can you have the audacity, the humility to learn from everybody? One of the things I love about the Jobs for Life experience that happens here at Schweitzer I think we've got a picture of, of a graduation, is that champions and students come into the room and they come in at different levels, they come in with different expectations. But over the course of their, of their uh, six weeks together, they discover, or it's eight weeks, they discover that everybody who's in the room has something to learn. And everybody who's in the, learn, in the room has something to contribute. And humility helps both students and champions grow in ways that they couldn't ever anticipate when they walked into the room. Humility is a, is a great way to not only learn something new, but it's a great way to think about where you're at and to think about what God wants to do in your own life and move you forward. Over the last year, um, or even year and a half, you know that our country's had a big challenge with regard to race relations and and that's just come to the forefront in a new in a new way in the last year and a half but those those questions have been with us for a very very long time um the summer or at the end of the summer mark mcnelly and and um diane joy and some other folks we went out to la for a conference of people who love Jesus, and they call themselves the Christian Community Development Association. And in that place, we heard a guy by the name of Wayne Gordon and John Perkins. They spoke, and we heard a lot of other speakers. And some of the speakers that we, we heard were Asian or from an Asian background. Some were from a Hispanic background. And a lot of people were like John Perkins, who came from an African-American background. And in that place, we heard about discrimination. We heard about police brutality in ways that I could never identify with. I've never experienced. We've learned about incarceration rates. 
because they told us. Because we had humility to sit in the room and listen. And humility doesn't necessarily lead us to a place where we have fast answers. Humility um, says, stop for a minute. When things rise up in our culture, we, we come to positions really quickly. But the one position that we often don't come to is a position of being humble and listening. Paul thinks about the people who won't listen to Jesus, and he says, they've got, they've got things locked in their mind, and they won't hear new voices and the new work that God is doing in their midst. Friends, I don't, I don't know what an answer is to the conundrum that we face as a, as a country with regard to people who serve in public safety places and with regard to people who have different skin than many of us in this room. I don't know what the answer is, but I know that we won't get to a place of connectivity where we can walk together unless we come to a place of humility. So we ask the Spirit to come close to us and lead us and guide us. Another hole uh, that was on the screen was repentance. Uh, repentance is, is really about, well, Paul talks, he has this one line, a great line in that passage from 2 Corinthians where he says, we turn to the Lord. Now, when I was growing up, repentance was always like um, this, this word that you almost didn't want to say, right? It had a sense of negativity, a connotation that something was really messed up. Well, the truth of the matter is, is life does get messed up. And sometimes we get it, we find ourselves where we shouldn't be. And, and what the call of repentance is, is simply to turn back to the Lord. And it's really a gift that God gives to us. The capacity to say, God, I need help. Or I'm in a place where I don't know what's in front of me, but I need, I need your presence. Back when I started college, I was a freshman in college. I had been walking with the Lord and the Lord was drawing me to a new place of experience. And, and he said something to me in a very, in a very unique way that I, I was not anticipating. I had a calculator that I had used all the way through high school and, and in that, my calculator pouch was a protractor. Now a protractor, it fit perfectly in my calculator pouch. You'd think that how in the world does God speak through a protractor? Well, here's the deal. Uh, the protractor was given out to us by our, one of our math teachers in high school and I just kept it with me. Kept it in my calculator pouch. And when I left high school, I kept it with me. And when I went to college, it was there. And every time I pulled out my calculator in college, there was a protractor. And there was something deep inside of me that said, you know, you didn't buy that protractor. That wasn't yours. They wanted it turned back in. You didn't turn it back in. And you'd think, it's small. It's minuscule. Why would, what in the world is going on? But my, I'm telling you what. The Lord would not let go of that in me. Finally, I'm like, I got to get rid of this thing. This thing is like bad news. It's right before me. So I sat down and I wrote a letter, folded it up, put the protractor in it, sent it back to my high school principal. I said, I am returning this. This is an act of repentance. 
that was like, I got a letter back from my principal. He's like, thanks, you know, and all this, like, glad to hear you're doing great. Have fun in college. Um, you think that's, that's, that's silly. I think of it now, it's silly, but here's the deal. I have learned, like, like a lot of you have, is that life does not get easier the older you get. Moral questions, ethical dilemmas, go from being what a college student might think of as like, we can talk about it in the classroom, to things you face in the real world. The questions, they get heavier. Life gets harder. And that instance of saying, I'm wrong, I'm a miss, I gotta deal with this right now, has helped me later in life when I'm also a miss. When I need to say, I'm not on the right track here. The Spirit, the Spirit gives us repentance as a gift. To say, Lord, I wanna turn to you when I'm not there. And sometimes we're not there. And the Spirit woos us and the Spirit calls us and maybe the Spirit will even keep something in front of you like a protractor. Something small to say, you know what? God's, God wants to do something in you. But there's some stuff in your life you just need to repent of. So <clears throat> there's humility and repentance. What's the next hole? Bold action. In 2013, the city of Detroit, I think, kind of woke up and they came to the place where they, they needed to repent that they had been on a trajectory that was not very good for a very long time. And they were broke and they filed for bankruptcy. It was, it was a, a piece of bold action that they took. Um, and it was really an, an act of repentance. And people have wondered, you know, how, how do they come to that place? How do they come to that decision? I don't know how they got there. Exactly. But outside of City Hall, just a few steps away, there's this, this statue. And it's a statue that's called the Spirit of Detroit. Now notice that um, behind the statue, and there's some, there's some things about symbolism happening in the statue with the, there's a, a family on the one hand and then a son and, uh, and all the rays on the other hand. And that's really, in some sense, symbolizing God and, and you can go back and you, you can read about it. But it's supposed to symbolize that God wants to do a, pour out his blessing upon the family. And that when Detroit was strong, in fact, when this was commissioned, Detroit, Detroit was really strong because it had both a profound influence of the church, the life of the church, and that had a tremendous amount of people who were living strong family lives. But then after it was put in place, it like it disappeared. All those things disappeared. But notice the words behind the statue. I was there a few years ago and I just, I could not get this out of my mind. Because this has been like a living witness and yet people have walked past it for years. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For many years, that verse was just walked by. People looked at it, but they didn't take it seriously. People looked at it, but they... They found themselves bound up in slavery. Finally, with, I don't know if people started to look at this again, but they found themselves called to take some bold action. 
And Detroit's beginning to be a little different place today than it was. I can't help but think that maybe, just maybe, that some people are beginning to say, Holy Spirit, put out some bold action in front of us and lead us in that way, in your way. This last weekend, my father-in-law was at our house and he told me a story about a lady that he knew. He said she was estranged from her brother for a very long period of time and God just started to work in her life. And she said, I think I need to go see my brother. So she went to her brother's house and she knocked on the door and she stood on the porch. Her brother's um, wife opened the door and she said to her, what the heck are you doing here? But she didn't say heck. And in that moment, you know, when you're greeted in such a fashion, you can just say, well, I, you, know, you could say a lot of things. You could just turn around and leave. And she said, I simply said, I came to tell you I love you. My father-in-law said, the lady said, reflecting on it later, she said, I had no idea where the strength for that came from. The strength for that action came from. But it had to come from God himself. It had to come from the Spirit. After bold action, we see Paul's progression, and it takes us to a place where he begins to talk to us about intimacy with God and deepening the intimacy with God. There's a text there at the end. Paul says, you know, God wants to bring us to a place where we, we live without veils, where we look face to face at who God is. KJ just got married. So it reminds us that you know, when somebody gets married, you know, one of the things that, that lovers do is lovers need to look face to face and into one another's eyes. If you want to grow in love, you have to keep looking face to face and into one another's eyes the rest of your life. When Anna and I were young, just newly married, we began to notice that there were, we were in a church with a lot of older couples and we'd look at those older couples and the, they seemed to look not like couples, you know, different people, but they tended to look, well, like each of the others had taken on the beauty of their spouse. They looked alike. They looked inseparable. How did two people who started off probably looking very differently, how did they grow to look like one another when they were in their 70s and 80s and 90s? It's because they stayed close to one another. They kept looking into one another's eyes and they grew into the very fashion of who they were. Paul says God is calling us wooing us, if you will, like a lover does, to look into his eyes face to face, to see him. Where are there places in your life where you look into God's eyes, where you look into the face of God? One of the places for me that I do that is out on a chair. Anna bought me a chair last year for Christmas, and this is on our front porch, and it's looking east. And I can go sit in that chair and I can watch the sunrise. And I can put my Bible on that little table there and a cup of coffee and I can have my time with God. Because I want to look into the face of God. Where do you look into God's face? Sometimes when I'm 
many times, actually, when I'm with people in worship. Like here's some young people, and when I see this picture, I think about the longing and the um, exhilaration and the, the fun that they have in looking into God's face. And when I look on their face in this moment, I begin to, I don't know, I begin to see the reflected glory of God. And there's another picture of the young girl, and she's passing the offering bag. Isn't that cool? Thinking about how somebody in worship helping out, she begins to reflect the glory of God. Sometimes when I'm serving with others, we're just sitting around a table and we're talking. And not the words that come out of people's mouths when they're talking, but to hear what God is doing deep inside of them is a place where I can begin to look on the face of God. Where do you look on God's face at? Um, so we mentioned the four holes. There's humility and repentance, bold action, and intimacy. The reality is, the call for us is to move into these holes, one of these holes, in, in a new way. Because we're all at places where we need to grow deeper with God. This last June, at an uh, ordination service for the United Methodist Church downtown, at the end of the service, we were in Juanita K. Hammonds Hall. The end of the service, they took rose petals, 16,000 rose petals, and they had them dumped out from the ceiling rafters. And they fell upon the people who were ordained, and they fell on people who were in the front rows, and they fell on the worship band, they fell on all kinds of people who were gathered in that space. Now the, now the reality is, is that when you come to an ordination service, one of the things that's being celebrated is that the Spirit has been poured out. The Spirit's been at work upon people who were ordained. They've been called into ministry and they're being, they've been equipped and they're being sent forth. The other reality is that as they're being sent forth, there's nothing else that they need than the power and the presence and the freshness, the revitalization of the Holy Spirit. They need the Spirit for new days that are ahead. They need fresh outpourings of the Spirit. Just as people who are ordained do, everybody in the church does. You need it. I need it. We all need, we all need new wine of the Spirit. We all need new bread of the Spirit. We all need the fresh breath and the fresh fire of the Spirit. So let's go back to that picture of the holes. In the next minute or two, I'd like to just give you a time of, give you a space of quiet. And have you reflect and invite the Spirit to point out in your own life, if there's one of those places there where the Lord is just asking you to grow or you just need the Holy Spirit to do something new and fresh in your life. Let's listen. Let's pray.
as you've heard from the Spirit in these moments, I just encourage you to um, speak forth the word that came to you. Just say it. And, and on the count of three, if, if a word came to you, just say it out loud. I'm going to say mine, okay? And so we'll just say it all together. And then I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to say a prayer together to, to close our time out. And then, and then KJ and the band are going to lead us in some more worship. But on the count of three, if one of those words just came into your heart, and the Spirit spoke it to you, just speak it. One, two, three, intimacy. Thanks. Let's stand together and let's pray this prayer, can we? L- pray with me. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. Amen.